0: Friends, it is a joy to be with you in worship this morning and to share the word of the Lord with you. Let us go to God in prayer before we turn our attention to the words of Holy Scripture. Let us pray. Most holy and gracious God, send your spirit upon us. Sweep us up into your holy presence so that when the words of Holy Scripture are read, We will embrace them. They will be consumed by our hearts and live within us. Speak to us of your word for us this day and help us not to be just hearers, but also doers. In the name of Jesus, our Christ, we pray, amen. Friends, our first reading from the Old Testament comes from the book of Exodus. And follows Moses' ascension onto the mountain where he has received those Ten Commandments. And after having received those commandments, he now is coming down from the mountain. And so we hear the words of verse 29 through 35. Listen for God's word to you. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, The Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil on his face again, until he went in to speak with him. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel According to Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. This again is a story of shining faces. It's the story of the transfiguration. Listen again for God's word to you. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, the disciples saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to Jesus. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him just as they were leaving him Peter said to Jesus master it is good for us to be here let us make three dwellings one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah not knowing what he said while he was saying this a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were terrified as they entered the cloud then From the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and in those days told no one of any of the things they had seen. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, which concludes the season of Epiphany and leads us to the threshold of the season of Lent, beginning with Ash Wednesday this week. The story of the Transfiguration is presented in Matthew in chapter 17, in Mark in chapter 9, and here in Luke, as we've heard today. Luke follows Mark, as does Matthew, all of which locate the Transfiguration story immediately after Simon Peter's confession of who Jesus is. And before the introduction of the passion into the teaching of Jesus. Now the location of this story is significant. It can be viewed as a hinge story in the gospel. It can also be viewed as a turning point in the liturgical calendar. The season of Epiphany is all about seeing God's glory. The season of Epiphany begins with the visit of the wise ones to the Holy Family. Epiphany. The first Sunday after Epiphany Sunday, we celebrate the baptism of our Lord and we remember our own baptism. Listen to these words about Jesus' baptism from Luke chapter 3 as read in the message. John, Zachariah's son, out in the desert at the time, received a message from God. He went all through the country around the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of life change, leading to the forgiveness of sins. After all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized. As he was praying, the sky opened up, And the Holy Spirit, like a dove descending, came down on him. And along with the Spirit came a voice, saying, You are my Son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. Epiphany is a season of seeing the mystery of God revealed in Jesus Christ all the stories and scriptures that we read in the lectionary during the epiphany season, help us to see more fully who Jesus is in his character and in his being. And it culminates today with transfiguration Sunday. This is like the big reveal for the gospel writers of who Jesus is for Luke. The Transfiguration story identifies Jesus as the culmination, the culmination of the law and the prophets. So, who shows up on the mountaintop to stand with Jesus? None other than Moses, the receiver of the law, and Elijah, understood to be the greatest of the prophets. Luke is the only gospel that gives us privy to the dialogue between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And the focus of their conversation, Jesus' departure. They saw two men, the scripture tells us, Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. This is confirmation, intentional confirmation by the gospel writer that the Messiah has come to die. Now, we must remember that Luke, the gospel of Luke, was written some 50 to 60 years after Jesus' death. 50 to 60 years after Jesus' death. But he is writing in part to answer the persistent question throughout all those years the persistent question why if Jesus was the Messiah why did he die the traditional messianic texts in the Hebrew scriptures which they would have been very well acquainted with those traditional messianic scriptures spoke nothing about the Messiah being killed and the concept of a resurrection would have been completely unknown. For Luke, it is important to demonstrate that both the law, represented by Moses, and the prophets, represented by Elijah, both the law and the prophets testify to Jesus' suffering, death and resurrection in order to validate Jesus as the Messiah. Luke describes the face of Jesus as shining like the face of Moses after being in the presence of God. Descending from Mount Sinai, Moses' face was simply a reflection of the light, the presence, and the nature of God. Because he had been in the presence of God, he had had an experience of God, and his face reflected that experience. And the people's response? They were frightened. In Jesus, Jesus' face did not only reflect that light, that nature of God, but in Jesus, that nature of God was embodied. It was incarnated. It was enfleshed. By writing the story of the Transfiguration in the way that he did, Luke is telling the followers of Jesus 50 to 60 years later that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can see the truth of who God is. The truth of who God is can be heard, can be experienced, can be lived. Everything we read about Jesus in scripture, his conception, His birth, His baptism, His ministry, His teaching, and even including His death and resurrection. Everything we read in the scriptures about Jesus declares the truth of God's nature because it was incarnated in Jesus Christ. God's true nature and the truth of the gospel begins with a voice heard at Jesus' baptism, And it culminates in the voice which speaks from the cloud with these words, I choose you and have marked you with my love. I choose you. Those of us who were privileged to be born into loving, nurturing, safe, economically and emotionally stable homes and cultures, Have been given a great blessing. We may have a sense that we are chosen, special. We may have a sense that we are marked with love by God. But what about those of us who did not hear this message? What about those of us who never heard that message as a child or as an adolescent? or even today as an adult. What will we do about those who have not heard this message? What are we called to do to share the truth of the gospel? That simple message that is so complex. God chooses you. You and has marked you with God's love. Gregory Boyle is the founder of Homeboy Industries. It's the largest gang intervention rehabilitation and re-entry program in the world. As a native of Los Angeles and a Jesuit priest from 1886 to 1982, Father Boyle served as pastor of Dolores Mission Church in Boyle Heights. Then it was the poorest Catholic parish in Los Angeles and also had the highest concentration of gang activity in the city. Father Boyle witnessed the devastating impact of gang violence on his community in what's been termed the decade of death. Began in the late 1980s and it peaked in 1992 with over a thousand gang killings that year. In the face of law enforcement tactics and criminal justice policies of suppression and mass incarceration as the means to end gang violence, Father Boyle and his parish community members decided on a more radical approach. What if we treat gang members as human beings? In 1988, they started what would eventually become Homeboy Industries, which employs and trains former gang members in a range of social enterprises. It also provides critical services to thousands of men and women who simply walk in the door every day, seeking a better life. In his 2010 New York Times bestseller, Tattoos on the Heart, which I would commend to you if you've not read, Father Boyle tells this story. One night, Boyle gets a visit from one of his students, a young man named Willie, who asks Boyle for money and food. Boyle doesn't have much money but he tells Willie that if he'll get in the car that together Boyle will drive to the ATM, withdraw some money, and take Willie to get a meal. Together they drive to the ATM location and as they arrive Boyle prepares to turn off the car. Willie asks him to leave the keys so that he can listen to the radio. Knowing the neighborhood and the number of carjackings that have taken place recently. Boyle says no, and instead tells Willie to pray while he's gone. Boyle goes to the ATM, withdraws the money, and turns back to go to the car, and through the car window, he can see Willie with hands folded and head resting on his hands. He opens the car door and gets in, and senses something's different. Willie lifts his head slowly, and Boyle says, well, what did God say? Willie was quiet, his eyes lowered, and finally he spoke. He talked to me. He talked to me, and he told me I'm Fermi. God told me, I'm Fermi. And his eyes seemed a little bit misty to Boyle, but Boyle understood what he meant because in Puerto Rican street slang, Fermi means loved and respected. God told Willie he was loved and chosen. Fermi's a way of communicating acceptance and approval. You see, Willie may have been chosen to be a member of a gang, but it's pretty obvious that he had never experienced the presence of God in a way that communicated unconditional love, in a way that simply said, I choose you because you're you. How many Willies are out there in our world? How many are there in this congregation? How many are right outside the doors of this sanctuary? How many are in your neighborhood, at your work, at your school, in the world? Siblings as we sit here this morning, safe and secure in our sanctuary and our homes, On the other side of the world, a war is underway. Rockets lit up the sky last night. Women and children are fleeing, leaving fathers and husbands to fight. Citizens are armed and ready to kill to protect their nation. Tanks are driving over cars with people inside them. How are we to respond? As those who are chosen by God and marked with God's love. What should we do and say that incarnates that simple and yet so challenging message of the gospel? You are chosen by God and marked with God's love. For Luke, The critical moments in the life of Jesus were marked by prayer, just like for Willie. The Transfiguration story shows us that in the face of horrific evil, domination, and oppression, Jesus prayed. Following the Transfiguration event, Luke will go on to tell us that Jesus will literally turn toward Jerusalem, turn toward the evil, knowing that it will cost him his life, but also knowing that he was chosen by God and he is marked with God's love. As those chosen by God, marked with God's love, those who, in this particular congregation, you have committed to live out the vision of Matthew 25. We are called to reflect God's true nature to the world in the face of evil. Perhaps it begins with a smile. We are called also to be vigilant against any perversion of this gospel message that would seek to exclude, demonize, harm, or diminish another. We are called to boldly speak and act to declare that all are chosen by God. All are marked with God's love. There are no exceptions. God's true self, brought to life in Jesus is a message for every single human being. I choose you. We often joke in the Presbyterian Church and talk about ourselves as the frozen chosen. It's okay to giggle. On this Transfiguration Sunday, May God begin to melt away our rigidity, our self-righteousness, our fear. May God ignite within us the courage and the passion to speak and live out God's truth to the world in the very face of hatred and oppression. Let your prayers cry out for justice and mercy for all and when we become discouraged or feel defeated turn to one another and remind one another you are chosen and you are marked with god's love amen